0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other (laughs) Eagles podcast with John Stormas and Brandon Lee Gowler? Welcome into BGN Radio. This is episode 70, brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. You can follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. You can also follow at BGN underscore radio on Twitter to keep updated with all the shows dropping into your feed as we continue to work through coverage of the Eagles 2019 training camp. I think we're on practice eight, but here to help me figure that out is the man himself, Brandon Lee Gouton May he forever reign, BLG. How you doing, brother? Mike, you are correct. Today was the eighth practice, so we're off to a good oh. start. And hey, before we get to the training camp practice, let's talk about a recent signing here. BLG, you wrote up the article for Bleeding Green Nation explaining the Jonathan Cyprian one-year deal, former Jaguar safety, now with the Eagles. Do you want to go first on this, or should I go? Because i got a lot on my mind when it comes to this. Why don't you set it up with what you laid out in your piece?
1: Yeah, so I think it's kind of a curious signing, right? Like, there's no kind of like obvious angle to this. It's not like, oh, yeah, the Eagles just had, no, they did have an injury to hit linebacker, and we'll get into that. But like, prior to that, and when the signing was made, it wasn't like, okay, you know, they had a safety go down or like, you know, they just had a clear open roster spot. Like, no, there was really like no apparent, you know, like there was no, that wasn't on the radar at all. You know, the Eagles had first worked out Sippy Cup, as I will refer to him sometimes. Because I think that's a funny nickname. uh, Back in June, and then they, you know, they didn't really like. There was no traction after that. They worked him out in June. Usually, when the Eagles bring someone in, typically, like they usually. Sign that guy, you know, not too long after the workout. That wasn't the case here. And then he worked out with some other teams, including the Giant. Um And I guess for whatever reason, the Eagles are bringing in him in now to, I guess my my read on it is it's kind of just like a, a why not? It's like, well, you know, we, let's just give him a look. It, it's certainly not like he's a priority because he's only, you know, coming in 36 days before week one. So he's going to have a, a crash course here in terms of learning the playbook and the defense and everything. So it's kind of curious right. in that regard. I guess, you know, maybe they just think he can kind of give them versatility and depth at both linebacker and safety. It, it's it's definitely an interesting move. There was some talk that it could be like it allows the Eagles to cut Andrew Sandejo or LJ Fort to kind of preserve that compact. That's really not the sense I get uh, about that. Like Sandejo from... From what I'm hearing, you know, Doug Peterson saying, just the sense I get, like, he's going to be on this team. And I'm I'm less, a little bit in with Fort, but I, I would still expect him to be on the team, as we talked about. They talked about Fort as a priority, you know, a target free agent for them. And then they gave him almost $2 million guaranteed. So it would be surprising if they got him. So yeah. I don't think he's here to necessarily even like have a guaranteed roster spot. I think they're kind of just taking a look at him and trying to see what he can do. What do you think about it, Mike? Because I know you just love this signing.
0: Yeah, I I was pretty upset when it happened. I have a history of talking about uh, Sippy Cup there. A quick note on the LJ Ford thing. Uh, me and his agent talk a little bit on Twitter every now and then, and he was saying he's not going anywhere, so he's yeah. pretty confident there, but that could be agent speak or whatever. We'll see on that front, but like, here's where here's where I stand with the Sippy Cup signing, and there's some, some key points to highlight here. Number one, I understand it's likely just a depth piece to come in and compete. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, number two, if they were planning on cutting anybody like Sundejo or Fort, like why sign them to begin with if Cyprian is enough to move on from them? And why assign yeah. Cyprian so late in the process after already having him in for a visit in the past? So it kind of the point you out late there. Number three, I've seen some float the idea of him being like a dime linebacker type. My problem with that is if you're playing dime, it's likely a passing situation and he is certified booty cheeks in coverage. He's a run defender. So mm-hmm. th- number four He's missed 22 out of the last 34 possible games due to a hamstring injury and then an ACL tear that cost him all of 2018. Now, number five, when he went down in 2018 and the Titans signed Kenny Vaccaro... I was on a couple different Titans radio shows there and told them that it was a rare upgrade due to injury situation. And, and as far as that goes, that's been proven to be true. Vaccaro signing a four year, $24 million extension this offseason after putting together a solid 2018 campaign, which, by the way, the Eagles should have signed Vaccaro instead of Corey Graham way back then, but you know, hindsight's 2020. So, with all that said, there's two major themes there. And those are that Cyprian is a below replacement level player with a very narrow role. Not something that the Eagles value, especially when you look at the versatility that they prefer in their secondary. Uh, The second part of that is he's a solid run defender, and it ends there. This isn't really that big of a deal to me. Uh, Lastly, I I said it during his visit, and I'll say it again now. If you think this impacts the Malcolm Jenkins situation at all, you are (laughs) out of your ever-loving mind. You don't leave your BMW in the shop to buy a Ford Pinto, period, period. End of discussion. Any follow-up on that, BLG?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, Jenkins reported already, too. Like, what? what's he going to do? Right. A stage a holdout after he already reported? Like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the curious thing, though, Mike, I guess, like, what kind of makes it weird is, like, Ciprian has started literally, literally every game of his career. He's like, 60 starts yeah. and 60 games played. So to bring in a guy like that, like, this late in camp, that's what makes it weird to me. Because usually when you bring in a guy at this point, it's usually, like, some kind of undrafted rookie free agent or just basically, like, some nobody, like, that you'd never heard of before just to eat up reps. So it's kind of weird that they bring in a player who has, like, never not started a game to do that. Like, that's definitely kind of, like, different and curious. Um, so that's just the only thought I have there. Is It's, like, it's a little interesting. I do think, so basically, I think it's going to come down to Cyprian or Trey Sullivan or Countess. They're, those three guys, I think, right. mainly are kind of competing for, like one or probably two at most backup safety spots behind the trio of Jenkins, McLeod, and Sandejo.
0: And, and you know, people say, well, why not say, uh, sign Trey Boston? I love Trey Boston. I think he's a very good player. I think that's the the players that the Eagles should have targeted. Maybe they did. And I know Boston is holding out for like more money. He probably wants more playing time and the Eagles can't guarantee him that. So I understand it from that perspective as well. And as we start to transition into like the actual training camp talk here, I do want to talk up front about another newcomer this is from the draft. Second round pick, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. We haven't really talked about him much throughout this process, but that doesn't mean that he isn't doing his thing. And look, he's not just a red zone jump ball guy, as a lot of people think of him as. He's like actually really good at that, too, But and he showed that off today. But here are some stats before you describe to me what you saw from the Tall Tree rookie. So per Pro Football Focus, from 2014 and on... Arcega Whiteside accumulated the highest red zone grade for wide receivers, which beat out guys like Corey Davis, Michael Thomas, Mike Williams, so on and so forth. And they say, quote, Arcega Whiteside caught 27 of 39 red zone targets for an incredible 25 combined first downs and touchdowns, generating a 105.4 passer rating in the process. In his final season alone, the Stanford product hauled in 13 of his 18 red zone targets and he tallied 149 yards, nine touchdowns and three additional first downs, unquote. So it's also of note that his career contested catch rate in the red zone of 69% ranks nice. second among receivers, yeah, in what they call the PFF college era, which I'm assuming covers that like same time span from 2014 and on. So if you've been around, you know that Solek and I have been big Arcega Whiteside fans since before the draft. We're very high on his outlook. And I know I said that he's not just a red zone threat, but while he develops, that's likely going to be the niche that he can carve out for himself. BLG, what did you see from my dude today?
1: Yeah, so basically I did see, you know, a lot of the, the red zone stuff on one on one drills and really just throughout camp. Like JJ, he doesn't always get the most separation. You know, he's not that kind of player, you know, where he's always just gonna be able to like shake dudes off him so easily. As opposed to like Nelson Aguilar was doing that, uh, a really good job of that in the red zone today. But you know, JJ, he gets in a lot of situations. I feel like where. And to his credit, because not every player is like this, and I think Jordan Matthews might have been a good example of someone in the past who, like, whenever there was, like, a defender around him, you have receivers like this. It's not just j Matt, But, like, whenever there's just, like, a receiver in their area, like, really close on them, like, they never make the catch. There are just receivers like that in the league. And is kind of the opposite. And I think that's a really good fit for Carson because we know Carson likes to be aggressive when it comes to those tight window throws. So he, like, Carson's not going to be afraid to throw in, to where, you know, he trusts the receiver to make a play, even though, you know, he can kind of be dangerous. it could kind of be a little hairy because there's a defender right there. But J.J. can get that pass, even if it's not a jump ball, but kind of just like even on a slant like it was today. You know, the defender draped all over him on the backside of him. But like he just, you know, he is – J.J.'s strong. Like, you know, he has a level of strength where he can just make that catch. It kind of looks routine-ish. It's not like super – as difficult as his fade catches look, but it's still like just a, a, a g- encouraging sign to see from him. He doesn't look super ready in terms of like contributing as a, a starter by any means, but I think as mm. this role player guy who can kinda help out in the red zone. And I had made that prediction when I was doing the uh, bold prediction podcast with Stonis that like I think there's a path to AJ having more touchdowns than Nelson Aguilar this year. Just because yeah. like he could have this red zone role where, you know, he's he can use his size and jump ball ability to kind of make an impact and, and be a role player on this team as a, opposed to some kind of full-time starting guy.
0: Yeah, me and Ben actually talked about that too in our prop bets. We kind of lumped them together like the backups, like who gets who gets more touchdowns, who gets more yards, and and we were kind of favorable of our single wide side in that situation. Like I said, we're really high on him, and, and, and kind of what you alluded to is like he's still adjusting to the pros, and that's something that Howie Roseman has said in the past, and we've talked about how wide receivers take a little bit longer to develop in the league, but it's nice to know that he can come into the league with a trump card and then develop the game around him without having to start right away so a very favorable situation for him and his long-term outlook and look I was going through the timeline and I saw a lot of people talking about fades in the red zone who else was getting getting mossed who was mossing dudes in the red zone today because right now the Eagles inside the 20 are looking like a lot like uh, Stanford's offense last year where it's all about tall trees catching all the sunlight
1: well the guy who stood out in Thursday's practice the last time we talked Mike Carlson Agudosi um, he continues to be mm. a real threat down there. And you would, you know, that makes sense. He's six foot six. 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 <laughs> he's, he's big. I want to, like, give that guy some credit because sometimes you, you know, the, these teams, like, they'll bring in, like, a, a bigger wide receiver into camp, like a MoMA in the past. Yep. And, like, a, a lot of those times, it's intriguing to, like, look at it on paper. Oh, this guy is tall. He's fast. But I feel like a good amount of those times, those guys are, like, stiffs and they play stiff, too. Like, they're, they're not any good. They have the size. I don't think that's the case with Agadosi. Like he has a little something more than just the size. Like you can see, he had some drops the other day. But I think he's a, a guy worth keeping around on the practice squad. Probably not the roster so much. Like I just I don't really know if you can roster him. I don't know what he can kind of bring on special teams just yet. Although I, I wouldn't mind having him on the field goal, lock and punt. And pucklock team, <laughs> if you can find a way to use his length there, but
0: I like that. it's Like it's like having a fat goalie. I like that. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, just use you know the the height to where wherever you can find it. Yeah, not not a fade thing, but one in the past I definitely want to highlight um, was Carson Wentz to Deshaun Jackson. I mean, that's that's like just five thousand retweets anytime you know I tweet <laughs> that on the timeline. Uh so I might just be making them up sometimes just to get free retweets. Uh no, I'm not. But <laughs> yeah, so it was awesome to see, you know, it was as a play where eleven on eleven where Carson is actually getting a, a corner blitz from Sidney Jones lined up in the nickel and uh so he has to get rid of the ball quick. I mean he doesn't have to, it's just a practice say. But, you know, uh simulating a live drill, of course he, he gets rid of the ball quick, which is great to see, but it was right on the money still to uh Deshaun who split um Maddox who was covering him and Jenkins on the back end and and you know, like that's that's a, that's a like Deshaun is gone at that point yeah. so it's just it's great to see them clicking
0: still and uh just you know encouraging we're going to talk more offense and their performance in a bit but before we get too far in the weeds here I wanted to get a quick update on second round selection rookie running back Miles Sanders let's do some injury updates uh he discontinued practice for a, a couple of days ago after picking up a knock to the foot Doug said that he would be fine they would run some tests what was his participation today was he live yeah it was
1: full go um no limitations on him he was in on 11 and 11 so Good to see. Yeah, no issue there, seemingly.
0: And Matt Collins, what about what about our our, our guy, Matt Collins?
1: So, he's alive. Uh, you know, he's coming out <laughs> to warm up with the team, and he's even, like, dressed to practice. He isn't really doing much. Real coquettish. Yeah. Real tease. He has a, uh, a hip injury, you know, which is different than the groin injury he had previously had. He's listed as day-to-day, you know, which is better than week-to-week, so hopefully we do see him <laughs> Soon, I would love to see him play in the preseason.
0: Using my Doug translator ring day to day sounds sounds all right, but you never know with Mac. We'll see what we'll see what happens there. Let's keep it with the injury updates as well. Two guys, Craven LeBlanc. We have I don't think we've talked about this, but he got an update on his foot, and Rodney McLeod was spotted as well. What's going on with the health of the Eagles secondary right now? Yeah.
1: So Derek, Gunn, um, you know MBC Sports Philadelphia on Friday, put out that. Uh, LeBlanc has that foot sprain which Mike you know like we talked about that last week (laughs) I was like Mm. this is literally the same thing that Ian Rappaport had tweeted about Jalen Mills and sure enough it's a a list ranking injury just like Jalen Mills had now apparently LeBlanc's uh, you know uh, this is me not doctor speaking here trying to understand that apparently LeBlanc doesn't need surgery so maybe it's kind of like less serious than Mills was I don't know how that works but okay (laughs) yeah apparently LeBlanc doesn't need surgery so there's there seems to be some kind of optimism that he can, you know, be ready by the end of September or like into, to late September, not week one so much um, like it was kind of originally purported last week. So that's kind of, you know, not ideal. Um, you would like Strap to be healthy. It's not the biggest issue in the world, but uh, there's also a possibility apparently that depending on how the recovery goes, that Strap could be out until November. And at that point, like you kind of have to make a decision with him. Like you can't, if, If you're the Eagles and you're feeling like, okay, this guy is going to be out, you know, or like we think there's at least a pretty decent chance he could be out until November. Well, at that point, you have an IR, really. And, uh, you know, he'll have to, the earliest he could return is after week eight. You would have to put him on there. And then if you're returning him, you're designating him at that point as one of your only two players you can return from IR from the season. So, like, it's not impossible depending on how the thing shakes out. Now, other injuries kind of express themselves that like strap season could be over. Hopefully it's not. Hopefully, you know, he's able to come back sooner than later. The, the ideal situation would be, you know, the Eagles can keep him just on the 53-man roster and he would be ready by late September. But in the meantime, you know, that kind of solidifies Orlando Scandrick's spot on the 53. He's definitely going to make the team as a backup nickel guy.
0: And what about Rodney McLeod? What's going on with him?
1: Yeah, that's that's important, right? I mean, it's kind of... <laughs> I kind of feel like it flies under the radar, but he, um, you know, you're starting safety for the uh, your free safety for the Philadelphia Eagles was back in 11 on 11 today. Hey, he wasn't full go. Like he was only in 11 on 11 when they did thud, like he wasn't on in 11 on 11 when they actually did their live tackling, their second of two live tackling days in training camp this year. Um, so he's not, you know, a hundred percent just yet, but the fact that, you know, we're seeing him already kind of be back for 11 on 11 in some capacity. I mean, there are, 36 days until the week one opener. So you would feel like, you know, he's definitely going to be ready by then if he can kind of just keep on progressing at this rate.
0: I also need a status update on standout camp stud linebacker Camus Grugier-Hill. You said he limped off at one point and then was carted over to the trainer's tent. What is his situation?
1: Yeah, so as we're recording this, I want to give the time. At 2.17 (laughs) on uh, Saturday, August 3rd here, just depending on, you know, when the update comes in. Yeah, so it didn't look super great. He went down, apparently holding his knee after tackling Jordan Howard in 11-on-11 drills. And he was down for a little bit, getting looked at. And then he he gingerly walked off the field, um, definitely, you know, bothered by something. And he had to be carted over to the trainer's tent. And then he walked back into the building ultimately. So, you know, not the best thing. Uh, It would be worse, you know, I feel like if he had to be carted back into the building. So, but it's hard. Like, you know, I think back to when, and I'm not saying Camu has an ACL, but I'm thinking back to when, you know, Carson, like he had his ACL tear and he freaking threw a touchdown pass on it. And then he walked back to the locker room. Like, we didn't all know, you know, like he didn't get carted off is the point when Carson had is. So like, you can't read too much into it in the fact that, you know, either way that he did or didn't, you know, or what happened there that he didn't get carted ultimately back into the building. You know, if I'm guessing here, I'm just like, you know, total in the dark. It seems like he's going to miss some kind of time. Hopefully, you know, it's just not a whole lot.
0: That stinks. You know, we're big Kamu fans on this feed here. So we're hoping that it's nothing serious and it was just a scare and, Hopefully the next time we talk with you guys, I'll be throwing up the At the Podium Series tomorrow. Maybe we'll get some news in between now and then, and I'll update you then, and hopefully it's positive. So some depressing injury talk right now when we come back here on BGN Radio. We're going to try to hopefully get a little bit more upbeat. We're going to talk some more Carson Wentz and a touchdown thrown by a diminutive running back. That and more right after this. We are back here on BGN Radio, episode 70, brought to you by the Five Folk at Bleeding Green Nation and SB Nation. Michael Kist here with Brandon Lee Gouten, who had boots on the ground at the Novacare Complex. Day 8 of training camp. Get your full update here at BGN Radio. BLG. We have already touched on some of the catch and throws coming from Carson, and you know we live and die by every practice and throw that he has. How do you look overall today? Is he stock up or stock down?
1: I would say uh, stock up, but not like way, way up. Um, It it wasn't a um, super, like, it was kind of just a boring day. And overall, like, I, I guess we didn't see a whole lot of, like, you know, when you're watching camp practices and you're seeing a bunch of five to 10 yard passes that are complete. It's like, okay, right. you know, that's nice, but that's not that doesn't really make for good notes or observations. Like there's nothing exceptionally <laughs> exciting going on there. So it was kinda of boring in that sense. Like he he had that deep path to Deshaun, but we didn't really see any too many more of those deep attempts, you know, he was just kind of working the middle of the field a lot, spreading the ball around and, and making good throws, like just nothing spectacular. It was just, it was good. So like, okay, great. He did have that interception in one-on-one on a fade throw meant for Nelson Aguilar. Ball was a little bit underthrown, but, you know, it's Malcolm Jenkins. You know, he was playing it well the whole time, too so you have to give some credit to him. But yeah, uh, overall, pretty good. And I I don't want to chime in on Nate Sudbelt too, who I feel like kind of been more up and down to start camp, but I feel like he's coming on in the the last couple of practices. Like, I've seen some better things out of him. Uh, A deep touchdown pass to Agudosi, who I mentioned earlier, during 7-on-7. And he also, really in the red zone, Mike, I feel like he kind of, he excels there. He's a a red zone specialist quarterback, where you you put him in in the 20, and he's accurate and, like, decisive with the ball. I have like what I've seen from Sudfeld recently, and I kind of, I have more, I'm a little bit more encouraged by him based on what I've seen, and I want to see if he can kind of, like, continue that momentum going into the preseason games coming up here.
0: Consistency is definitely one of Sudfeld's kind of bugaboos, so hopefully he does keep that going. That's a good point. Look, who was the shortest player so far this training camp to throw a touchdown?
1: Um, It was Ben Solak. They actually brought him out onto the field. Uh, I'm sorry,
0: Ben. Um, he's, short, he's shorter than Sproles, right?
1: <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about that. I don't know. Uh, that's a good question.
0: We gotta we gotta put the the picture of Ben and Danelle Pumphrey, and then we gotta find a way to like fit Sproles and like Photoshop it <laughs> in and see who's the tallest one. <laughs> he's not listening to this, so it doesn't matter. We can say anything we want. <laughs> Sproles, he's done that before, by the way.
1: Uh, so this was during group install, just to give the context. You know, it wasn't during team drills or anything. Uh, but, yeah, so Carson pitches to Sproles, and it looks like it's just like a halfback toss. And all of a sudden, Darren Sproles throws to Joshua Perkins. You know, the hot Sproles to Perkins connection, just very unstoppable. It seems kind of, like, very unpractical to have Darren Sproles, like, throw a pass in a game just because, like, he's so short. And, like, you know, if there's defenders nearby, Like I'm, it's not the best sight line, you know, it's not the best vision you have there. But, I mean, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. Ha- I mean, I would love to see it, like, work, you know <laughs> I might not love to see it in the moment, taking the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands in the red zone. But, I mean, if it's like the new Philly Philly in Super Bowl, uh, this year's Super Bowl, I mean, hey, I wouldn't complain.
0: We also earlier heard a bunch of updates on the defense regarding injuries. So let's kind of dial back in. What did you see for the defense that was positive? Let's let's bring it upbeat on the defensive side of the box. I didn't see too many people talking up the defense today, other than just the injuries that we talked about. Uh, was it a loss today for the defense? Did they get did they get got a little bit? Which is a reversal of what Malcolm Jenkins is saying has been been happening to this to this point.
1: Uh, they had some nice moments. They uh, Kamu, our, our fallen soldier. Unfortunately, uh, had a good pass breakup in the red zone. It was a quick Wentz throw, which trying to get it out on like a quick screen. Um, and Kamu knocked it down. He's done that quite a couple times in training camp. So again, hopefully he is healthy. Uh, and then there were some good run stuffs in like on goal line drills, and uh, so the the defensive line really did a good job of kind of just swallowing that up and and not allowing themselves to just get cut up up the middle there. So the defense had some moments. Um, nothing overly flashy, I would say. I want to give Sharif Miller credit for hustling. I haven't really talked about Sharif Miller too much. haven't noticed him too much. But uh, Boston Scott broke out a big run, so he deserves some nice credit for that. But then uh, I like to see like a rookie, to a man like Sharif Miller, like hustling down the field and, and laying a pop on Boston Scott, even if it was like 30 yards down the field. So there was some hustle, too, I guess I would say. And also, kind of one, like maybe a little bit of an interesting note on the defense. I feel like I did see Hassan Ridgeway. Uh, working with the first team uh, at one point. Uh, Jernigan, I don't know if they were like just kind of managing Jernigan's snaps or they they didn't want him in the red zone or what, but I did see him taking some first team reps. Uh, so that's a little under- interesting to me. I guess that kind of tells us that Ridgeway is ahead of, on Hester in the depth chart.
0: Yeah, and Hester played solid last year, so that's a win for Ridgeway if that's how it went. I can understand some load management there for Timmy Jernigan considering him coming back from the back injury, getting fully healthy, but looking decent so far. Last question for you, BLG. What was the random number generated cornerback group for the first team today?
1: Oh uh, yeah, so we, it's you know it's always different, of course, as you're, you're <laughs> alluding to there. But I was Maddox on the outside once again, uh, Rasul on the outside as well, who did well against uh, Austin Jeffrey, I would say. You know the one-on-ones, um, and then Sydney in the slot. Kind of the configuration they're toying with. And again, there's but like, there's just so much still unsettled there in terms of like those guys are looking good, and then you have Darby, and it's like okay, what do you do with him? And uh, and that's not even to mention Jalen, who you know will be back at some point. So we'll see how that goes.
0: BLG, any last notes on training camp day eight before we wrap this puppy up? We got practice tomorrow, right?
1: Yeah. So to- I have a couple things. Um, tomorrow's practice will be at 7 p.m. You know, it's the first and only
0: open oh, wow. practice
1: at Lincoln Financial Field. So I imagine the number of you listening to this will be there watching the practice. And uh, you can tell me how wrong my observations are because you'll be able to see it yourself. Mike, you, you might just have to do this podcast uh, with someone, uh, just a random fan, uh, who can actually watch them so, <laughs> 888. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, just call in, you know, free number. Um, so that'll be going on tomorrow. A couple of other thoughts I had, closing thoughts. There was the fight today, uh, really heated, Damn. you know, between just Casey Tucker, you know, a staple of the Eagles, <laughs> and um, Sharif Miller, funny enough, uh, who I mentioned earlier. Oh, wow. Now, those two were the main ones involved. But, like, from what I saw, like, the, both sides were kind of defending their own side, too. Like, there was there was a scrum that started because of that. And I saw someone, like, maybe, I don't know if it was Miller or whoever, but there's someone kind of, like, uh, standing kind of far away from where the one-on-one offensive lineman defensive line drills were happening, and they just like ran into the action there. So uh, there was a lot of shoving, and it got heated there for a little bit. Um, it's day eight into camp, that makes some sense. And you know, it's it's a couple of rookies. You know, they're they're trying to play extra hard because they're trying to really impress the coaching staff yeah. and try to make this team. So that kind of makes sense. That's probably a good thing to have every once in a while, kind of just like get the frustration out, you know, and kind of just get the, the energy level or practice up. And it's it's a very mild fight, you know, as fights go. It was it was broken up quick, but still there was some shoving and we haven't had a lot of that. So it'll get the attention. And uh, the last thing I'll say is on the, the compic thing that I brought up earlier, and I mentioned that in that post that you had talked about, Mike, it's not like the end of the world, the whole compic thing. Like I, I get a lot of people, and we kind of talked about this with you a little bit on Twitter, Mike, that like, I think you will have this window of winning yeah. the Super Bowl. So I get wanting to keep the 53 man roster like entirely. I don't, I don't disagree with that. I would just say, and this is kind of a nitpick to be fair. Like, I'm not saying like this is a colossal failure and obvious and it's the end of the world. I'm just saying like, I think it is fair to say though that like how we could have managed the linebacker depth and safety depth situation a little better because you now I'm looking at this 53 man roster projection from the 49ers and Jordan Matthews isn't on there. And it seems like there's a decent chance he doesn't make that team. So that means for the Eagles, they're going to be losing two fourth-round picks they otherwise could have gotten. And if you're telling me that like you had mm-hmm. to trade two fourths to get better like linebacker depth and safety depth, like I just don't think that's probably like the best use of those resources. So so fire Harry Roseman today. Clearly, that's what I'm saying. You know, <laughs> Uh But no, just like a nerdy thing to kind of pick at. Um I, I'd gotten some feedback at that. I know people don't really want to hear it, but you know, just trying to keep it real.
0: Look, if the if the main thing that we're talking about here is me being upset about safety four. And you being upset about some right. some compensatory picks that are gonna that are gonna be well into the one hundreds, what are we really talking about here? Like, it's important overall because we want to have those picks, we want to save that money, we we need yeah. to take more swings at bat. Um, and I understand that the Eagles have only had what would, would you say it was ten picks since
1: ten picks in the last two drafts, which is tied for fewest in the league.
0: They also used a late round pick for the aforementioned Ridgeway. But, I mean, he's only twenty four years old, so I kind of consider that a pick too. Still, it is a low number for for mm-hmm. for my part. Yeah, I would rather have Sendejo and a fourth round pick than Cyprian. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. And you know, I'm a big LJ Fort fan, and he hasn't made big waves in camp. But that's also, you know, where I'm at with uh, with that too. But if we're getting to the point where we're like, well, we should have picked him instead of traded for him, then I mean, we're like splitting hairs at that point. So again, if that's what if that's what we're arguing about, then yeah, then that's good because we could be arguing about a lot worse. BLG, any any last last words other than other than you agreeing with me? Uh- which- it's fantastic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, I don't think so, Mike. Um, just, you know, uh, another another good day of Eagles training camp. Definitely check out our coverage on BlueDegreenNation.com. I posted my latest 53-man projection, which is obviously a must-read, on Um And obviously, we'll have a lot more good podcast content coming your way. And again, you know, we're normally, what, like five or six days away here from the Eagles' first preseason game yeah. uh, coming up this Thursday. So we'll have coverage of that as well. So. If somehow you're not subscribed already, make sure you do that and make sure you follow at BGN underscore radio on
0: Twitter and all that good stuff. Let's wrap it up. We all we got, we all we need, Fly Eagles Fly. BGN.